This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Browns fans, now Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. This is Dan Kadar, as always, joined by Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich. Nate, we are just a few days now away from game number one of the regular season for the Cleveland Browns. How, how excited are you to get to another regular season finally after, you know, weeks and weeks of training camp and preseason? Well, I'm definitely excited. And, I mean, this is the matchup that we've all been waiting for, too. I mean, the, mm-hmm. for the Browns to end the, the playoffs January 17th, you know, in Arrowhead Stadium, you know, coming up close, uh, you know, but short. You know, we've heard the Browns talk about what this game means and what this opportunity means to them. And like, my thing is if the Browns lose this game, Oh, well, you know, like it's a big deal, obviously, because it's week one and, you know, it is an AFC game, but it's not like, you know, the be all end all you'd like to win it, but you're getting ready to embark on a marathon, 17 games in the regular season for the first time in NFL history. And we saw how the Browns back, you know, bounced back from a, a 38-6 loss in the 2020 opener to Baltimore. I think they're going to have a much better showing than that. I think that they were not ready to play in the 2020 opener, and it was understandable. I mean, they had an entirely new coaching staff with new schemes and they did not have any preseason games or spring practices. They had a condensed training camp. The first full scale practice wasn't even until August 14th this year on August 14th, they had one preseason game in the books, 13 full squad training camp practices in the books and all the coaches back from last year, the schemes intact, the playbooks, there, virtually the same Personnel on offense when the final 53 was established, Dan, recently 22 of the 25 players on offense were here last year. All the significant contributors are here. The closest thing to a significant contributor who's not here is Kendall Lamb, uh, you know, the backup swing tackle. And, of course, Kaderil Hodge last year, who was, you know, entered last season as a number three receiver, was waived and claimed by the Detroit Lions. Um, this past uh, weekend. So almost everybody there and there's some new additions like, you know, uh, Anthony Schwartz, uh, rookie receiver, third round pick, Demetric Felton, a rookie receiver slash running back, sixth round pick. And, you know, I'm just looking at this offense and thinking that Baker Mayfield's finally going to have a chance to benefit from continuity. Um, along with, you know, some of his other teammates. But, you know, the quarterback is, is at the top of the list as the beneficiary there. And then on defense, 
it was the main question mark last year uh, is how far could the Browns go with the defense that, that gave up the points and yards it gave up and basically no, no lead was safe with that defense. And you saw in the, against the Dallas Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans off the top of the head that Browns built big leads and those teams were able to rally and make things really uh, a lot more interesting than the Browns would have liked. And, and, you know, now you have a complete makeover. Um, Andrew Barry spearheaded that, that revamping, obviously, Jadavian Clowney, uh, uh, Malik Jackson on the defensive line, huge additions. Andrew Billings coming back from from a year in which he opted out because of COVID concerns. And you got Anthony Walker Jr. in the middle, at linebacker. Um, you know, the Browns obviously hope Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit can contribute after missing last season with injuries. And John Johnson, the third huge acquisition at safety, not to mention your first two picks in the draft. Greg Newsom, the second, Jeremiah Usakormo. I mean, we are talking about a, a new look defense with Miles Garrett and, and uh, Denzel Ward. You know, the, the only guys guaranteed to, um, you know, be starters two years in a row for this this defense. So, you know, if the Browns open in their base package, Dan, uh, uh, you know, against uh, the Chiefs, um, there's a chance that Sione Takitaki is on that field, uh, you know, uh, as your strong side linebacker. He started last year in week one in Baltimore. And so did Ward and Garrett, obviously. So that would mean that you would have three starters uh, in the 2020 opener who also opened in 2021. So that would give you eight new defensive starters from opener to opener uh, if if Taki Taki's out there at the beginning of the game at Arrowhead Stadium. If he's not, if the Browns open in nickel uh, and Taki Taki's off the field, because he typically is off the field in nickel, and Troy Hill would be at nickel back, then you would have the nine new starters from opener to opener. So... Uh, obviously, uh, you know, both sides of the ball, there's a, a lot of talent and I think that this is going to be, uh, just as exciting, if not more exciting, um, than last year. Um, but again, just like last year, uh, you know, week one is not going to give us a great indication of how the whole thing's going to play out no matter what happens. But I get the excitement, the anticipation, and I'm I'm here for it. Boy, I'll tell you, I am I am very much too. We're we're gonna circle back to the Kansas City game in a little bit um, because it, it's quite frankly one of the premier games of the entire NFL season, and we're getting it in Week One. So we are going to circle back there uh, in a bit here, but. Man, I, I just got to ask you off the top here. That that was a great overview, and I, you know every everything you said is great. Browns are coming off an 11 and five season in which they won their first playoff game in 26 years. What is the expectation for the Browns this season? Well, some people want to say it's the Super Bowl, and I am not in that camp. I do not think we have reached a Super Bowl or bust mode. Mm. Uh, I think it's the next step, and that's the AFC Championship game. I think that's a reasonable bar to set. And, you know, the Browns obviously made it to the divisional round last year. They fell to the Chiefs, that 22-17 loss, like I mentioned, on January 17th. Now, you know, the heartbreaker there was not that they lost the Chiefs. The Chiefs 
were the defending Super Bowl champs at the time. They end up being the AFC champion last year. Now they're the two-time defending AFC champion. And they have the best player in the NFL in Patrick Mahomes. And that's where the disappointment lies. It He got knocked out of the game. Uh, concussion protocol and a hit uh, with Mac, the Mac Wilson uh, put on him, um, you know, on a, on a tackle with Mahomes trying to run the ball. You know, so he missed most of the second half, as we remember, Dan. And, you know, that's the opportunity that, you know, we've talked about before that slipped past the Browns. The idea that here's a Michael Jordan type, you know, uh, player, a, a dominant, true MVP. And when something like that happens, you want to be able to beat that team. You want to be able to capitalize on that opportunity. And the Browns fell short of that. Obviously, Chad Henney making the plays in the end that he needed to make for the Chiefs to hold on. And the Browns coming up so short with, you know, obviously the Rashard Higgins fumble and the helmet-to-helmet hit at the goal line at the late in the uh, first half. And, you know, there obviously are other plays, but those ones stand out. And, uh, I just think that, you know, this is a uh, a much better Browns team. Uh, but, you know, the, the reason for me saying that is the continuity on offense and in the coaching staff, and then the defense should be a lot better. Uh, so what I'm going to say, you know, kind of from that as the, as the, as the starting point, is that if they made it to the divisional round last year and they are better this year and they have the continuity and this is the second year with this coaching staff and you've got the the reigning NFL coach of the year in Kevin Stefanski and he is worthy of that award and they had more time with the staff like I said earlier with a lot more training camp and with some preseason games you know I just think that they should be able to take the next step doesn't mean they won't but I think it's fine to expect it and the, the next step is the AFC championship game. And, and like, you can make the argument, and I totally buy that, you know, this might be the most talented Browns team we see in in this era of, you know, Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry because they're not going to be able to keep everyone. They still have Baker on his rookie contract. You know, that'll change sooner than later. Um, and, you know, they're going to pay Denzel Ward too eventually here. And, and they're not going to have, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry together uh, for years and years and years. And this could be the, the last dance for them as a, as a best friend tandem on the same team. We'll see. But, th- you know, the idea that this could be the most talented roster, you know, top to bottom that they have, that is a strong possibility. However, it doesn't mean that this Super Bowl window is just going to be open in 2021. They have the nucleus uh, of young talent, the people they want to extend, and the coaching staff led by Kevin Stefanski and the front office led by Paul D. Podesta and Andrew Barry um, that, that tells you that this window should be open for a while. And, you know, NFL is not for long in so many ways. So windows can close uh, you know, more quickly and open more quickly than you expect. Uh, but I do think that this is a team that, that should be good for years to come. And and that's why I don't view this as Super Bowl or bust. And I just view it as, hey, the next logical step, the next, you know, step on the ladder AFC championship game is the reasonable and realistic expectation to set.
I think it is too. But at the same time, I kind of feel like AFC Championship game, while it, while it is the logical step, and you know that that's a step we see teams across all sports take, whether it's you know Michael Jordan overcoming the Detroit Pistons or or anything else. You know that that's the natural progression of things, but I I kind of feel like going AFC Championship is a little conservative just from the standpoint of it if Baker Mayfield can somehow figure out how to ascend to, you know, another level up, another tier up where there is no question at all that he is among, you know, the eight or 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL. Because, you know, if you look at whoever's quarterback rankings, which I know are debatable, Baker Mayfield's usually not in that, you know, upper echelon. He's in that 11 to 15 or 16 range for most people, whether that's fair or not, that's up for debate. But if he can kind of, put those doubts to rest about, you know, what kind of tier quarterback he's in. If Odell Beckham can stay healthy for a full season and really be in sync with, with Mayfield, if Jadavian Clowney can finally play up to what, what he looks like on the practice field. um, I don't know. That, that makes me think that, AFC Championship game, while logical and and fair to to say is the next step for the Browns, I also feel like that's a little bit conservative. Am I totally crazy? Am I, am I inviting too many ifs into this this equation? What do you think? No, I, I don't think you're crazy at all with this because I I would not be surprised at all if they make it the Super Bowl. Like. When I say AFC Championship game, obviously you get there, anything can happen. You win, you're in. <laughs> you're going to the big game. But right. sure. Like I just don't think that it's like you can obviously just say, well, I'm I'm gonna say they're gonna go to the AFC Championship game. So what's what's the difference? I just need to take the next step and and just predict <laughs> that they're gonna be in the Super Bowl because it's almost one and the same. And my point is like they still um you know they need to show just because the AFC is tough that they're better than the fourth best. They're, they're, they're like they're better than the fourth best team in the AFC. First of all, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. you've got the Chiefs, you've got the Bills, you've got the Ravens. I mean, the Browns haven't won a division, okay, since 1989. I mean, that's that's another thing we need to say. We need to say sure. that that is the expectation now that they can finally get over that hump. And if they do, that'll obviously set them up well. Uh, you know, for the playoffs. I mean, can you imagine the home playoff game? We haven't been able to see that. So, you know, and I when I say we, Dan, I mean like our generation. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. well, two <laughs> that's generations of fans. Your kids, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And like, if I I feel like if I if I say if I predict them to go to the Super Bowl and I say it's not Super Bowl and bust, I feel like that's contradictory. So in an effort to be consistent and not hypocritical, I'm saying it's not Super Bowl or bust. 
and I'm not predicting I'm going to go to the Super Bowl. Can it happen? Hell yeah. They're really good. <laughs> That's the spirit. Uh, the, look, the, the thing I did introduce into my fanboy scenario is the Chiefs are just really damn good. Like, they're really, really good. And they, they basically, the way the Browns spent the offseason fixing their defense, the Chiefs spent theirs fixing their offensive line. So, But like I said, we'll get to the Chiefs in a little bit. Um, big picture Brown stuff. Can Baker Mayfield take that next step? And can he stay healthy for another full season? His, his ability to uh, not miss time has been remarkable since he took over in 2018 for, for Tyrod Taylor. Nate, can can he can he can he just keep ascending? Basically, is is what I'm getting at. Can, is there another gear? Do you think for Baker Mayfield, or did he kind of show in the first year with Kevin Stefanski, this is the quarterback he is, a very good player, 26 touchdown passes, what do you have, eight interceptions, something like that. Um, is he who he is last season? Or is there another gear for Baker Mayfield? I think there's another gear. And it's just the idea that, you know, I referenced earlier, he has not had the same head coach and the same playbook in consecutive seasons as a pro until now. And in addition to those great things he can benefit from, he has a tremendous amount of continuity with the personnel. The personnel is loaded with talent. He has one of the best, if not the best offensive lines in front of him. He has a crazy amount of uh, weapons and the caliber of the weapons are tremendous. He did what he did last season with Odell Beckham Jr. injured, you know, in the seventh game. And OBJ is coming back from that torn ACL and looking really good. And I think he knows, you know, how special this season can be if he can contribute the big plays that the Browns are missing uh, at times during his absence. And most notably in that game against the Chiefs. You know, OBJ said the hardest thing for him getting hurt was watching that Chiefs game and knowing he could make one play to make to make a difference. And I totally agree. So, you know, I think because of all that and because of Baker's maturation, his understanding and comfort within this system, his trust of Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt and the players around him, I really do think that this is uh, a guy who can ascend and, and take the next step. You know, not to mention that he is in great physical shape again for the second year in a row after he let that slip in 2019 and his play also dipped. So there are a lot of factors and reasons to think this is a guy who can still ascend and has more to offer than he's shown and can try to put it together and do it more consistently because we did see it last year. I mean, we saw it last year. Of course, we saw strong play as a rookie in 2009 or two, I'm sorry, 2019 throws everybody off, right? It just, it's like, you know, that year where you're like, what the hell was that? And <laughs> really, 
it was like that for not just Baker, but the entire team. We know how loaded mm-hmm. they were with talent at that time and went six and ten, six and ten. Freddie Kitchens was fired after his one year on the job. And it was just everything we've talked about before. And the, the you know, lack of discipline and lack of organization affected everyone. And Baker was kind of the, the poster child for it. Um, but we saw the way he rose above it and, and responded last year. And I think with everything in place now, he's in such a great position and he's done his part to put himself in a great position. But so has Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski. Uh, they've done their parts to put this guy in a great, kind of, uh, great situation. And it's like, here's a guy also who, you know, he's not he's going to say all the right things about wanting to win. Uh, and not worrying about the contract situation because it'll work itself out if they win. But deep down, I mean, this is a guy who's always used motivational factors to drive himself to be the best he can possibly be. And we know that contract years can bring out the best in guys. And I think Baker is the type of guy who, although isn't technically in a contract year because he is under the contract for two more seasons, he is in that contract extension eligibility window now and i think you know josh allen got paid in buffalo lamar jackson's going to get paid in 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 baltimore and baker's going to get paid in cleveland hasn't yet and i wouldn't be surprised if he really balls out forces the browns to you know end up paying him a little more than they would have had they gotten it done this summer and that the browns are more than happy to do that So kind of, you know, switching sides because the the Browns really rebuilt their whole defense. I mean, like you said, they could have at least eight new starters, potentially nine, depending on, you know, what they come out in that first game with. But it's it's a totally rebuilt unit. Uh, I, I know there was a lot of training camp practices, but I don't know, man. To me, I didn't see all expected 11 starters. I don't think they were on the field once together, were they, throughout all of the offseason? Was there any point where every guy on the defense was was out there and doesn't matter? You know, like, I guess what I'm getting at is, is this defense, this completely rebuilt defense, gelled enough to to really come out of the gates strong where where are you at with where the defense is just in terms of being a team not necessarily the talent level we know the talent level is huge but as a team where do you think the defense is at yeah it's gonna be a work in progress the answer your question like very early in training camp you had everybody and then you didn't have them again altogether because of injuries and, you know, a lot of soft tissue stuff, um, you know, things like that, you know, uh, you know, tech McKinley's technically, he's a number three defensive end, but he missed three weeks for personal reasons. You know, he ended up leaving like at the third practice of camp. So third or fourth, July 31st, whatever that was. So, you can't expect them to be close to what they can 
or will be in week one. Like I talked to Joe Woods about this. I've asked John Johnson III about this. It's like, I think we and in the media and, you know, I'm including myself, like Dan, I think we've talked in these terms, like, can they gel? Can they get on the same page and can they get all the communication trust down by Mm -hmm. week one? And Mm -hmm. it's really just not the way they're looking at this. Like (laughs) they're not going to have it all down by week one. And they know that. Um, And even if they weren't dealing with all the injuries in training camp and they were on the field together for the vast majority of training camp, which they weren't, but even if they were, like they wouldn't be close to a finished product by week one. And that's okay. Like this is going to be an evolution during the season. And John Johnson third, I thought said really well, like, Hey, week 15, we're going to look completely different than week one. And I think they're going to have to go through growing pains. I do. I think that they're going to have to figure some things out along the way. Similarly to how Kevin Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt, Baker Mayfield in the offense did last year. I mean, we've heard those guys talk time and time again about how that bye week in the middle of last season allowed them to regroup, gather, add things to the playbook, take things out. Baker was able to say what he was most comfortable with, and they were able to parlay all that into kind of a new plan moving forward, a streamlining of things, if you will. And then that translated to success in the run that they were able to make. And the incredible stats that Baker put together, you know, in the last half of the season. Um, I think we could see a very uh, similar uh, sequence of events unfold on the defensive side. Now, the the good news is I think that if you remember last year, Dan, the offense didn't have an identity earlier early, and that's what Baker said, and it was trying to, to get its footing like we've talked about before. But Miles Garrett came out on fire early last season. He was forcing fumbles, strip sacks, all kinds of stuff. They were getting these game-changing turnovers like against Washington, yep. uh, against the Bengals. He was coming he was up awesome. with great clutch plays. And those turnovers, those takeaways early, really led by miles that kept the team afloat while the offense was figuring things out. You remember, obviously they dropped the opener in Baltimore, but then they won, they won four games in a row and that was a huge part of it. And so uh, I think the defense has to figure things out early on this year, the offense with the continuity, it has a quarterback who I believe can take that next step. I think that the offense can carry this team early on. And then you hope that the defense can kind of catch up you know, be pretty healthy, get its bearings under Joe Woods with the new faces and everything, and then you start to round into form. And if you do it right, you start peaking late in the year. That's what the best teams do. I mean, think about the Buccaneers last year, Dan. Thanksgiving rolls around. They're not a playoff team. Right. And then they, they, they don't lose. They don't lose because Tom Brady knows that when you turn it on, at a certain time of the year, and you get hot, you can win it all, and he's done it seven times. Yeah, that, that's a great point, and the, the same can be said for the Browns' offense last year. You know, they were getting hot at the at the perfect time, and they, they closed the season strong. So, it, it's a... I, I think that's a great way of putting it by you, about the defense and how the offense could be carrying them 
for the first part of the season. So how comfortable, Nate, are you doing some random predictions like we have done every year on these preview shows? I mean, I'm always comfortable, Dan. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm comfortable being wrong is another way to say it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see if I can make you uncomfortable uh, with, with any wacky things that come to the top of my head. Because I didn't, I, full disclosure, as is often the case with this show, I did not prepare anything. So, with with that said, here here are some prediction questions for you for the 2021 Brown season. Number one, will Baker Mayfield finish in the top three of NFL voting for MVP? No. Hmm. Interesting. I don't remember who was in the top three last year. Again, no preparation here, but it obviously his top competition is Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. I think I, I'm going with yes on that one because I, I, think, I think there is another gear there to Baker Mayfield. And if he, if he shifts upward again, the, the Browns are going to be one of the best teams in the NFL, and I, I think Baker Mayfield is going to get a lot of the credit for it. So I'm going to go yes. Maybe not win MVP, but I, I think I think he can surpass, let's say, Lamar Jackson, for instance. Um, all right, here's my here's my favorite one we've done every year since he's been on on the team. Sack total for Miles Garrett. Last year, played 14 games, 12 sacks. year before that, when I predicted, I think, 20 sacks, he had 10 in 10 games. Uh, second season in the NFL, 2018, he had 13 and a half. As a rookie, he had seven. You know, there, there was some injury stuff that year, obviously, and he's had some since then. So, Miles Garrett sack total. I'm going to put it at 15 and a half. Where are you at with the Miles Garrett sack total for 2021? Well, 17 games. He's missed games. The last two years have been weird, though. He missed games in 2019 because of suspension. We know that. And last year, two games because of COVID and wasn't himself for the rest of the season after contracting the virus. Both years he was an NFL Defensive Player of the Year candidate when the weird things hit, especially last year. He was, like, arguably a front runner yes. when, when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Having said all that, uh, Miles just seems to miss some time here and there. They were weird circumstances the last, the last two years. I'm going to be optimistic, though, and say that he plays – a full season for the first time since his Ooh. second year. Ooh. Yeah, why not? The last two years were so weird and fluky. It's like, yeah, you sure. know, hey, like maybe the planets are aligning here for him to be on the field and win the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He's finally surrounded by all this talent. 
I'm going to say 17 sacks. I think one a game is is kind of um, what we've seen when he's been at his best, um, and that's really good because you got to consider that when you go 20, like he's capable of 20, especially in 17 games. But you got to realize the amount of game planning that goes into facing Miles Garrett from the opposing offensive coordinator and the amount of double teams and chips that he's facing, even with the idea that you have Clowney, you have Tech McKinley, that's not going to end. I mean, you're still going to dedicate most of your resources to Miles Garrett most of the time. So I'll put it at 17 with a glass half full look that he is going to actually, after two weird seasons in which he did not play all the games and those you know years were disrupted for him he's going to be more available and you know go back to the first time he made the pro bowl 2018 when he did play a full season so i think he's due for that and with that idea i give him a second game 17 Mm. i i think it's a lot more than glass half full i think your glass is overflowing uh with with joy so I'll, I'll take that i think that's great well you've got baker mayfield in the top three mvp when you got you know a guy named tom right. brady aaron Rodgers, lamar jackson josh sure. allen uh-huh. um you know patrick mahomes uh you uh-huh. know there are a lot i mean can he be a five to ten can he really solidify himself like no one can argue that he's somewhere like six seven top six seven eight quarterback in the nfl like Maybe he is that, but like, there's arguments there. Like, can he be an undisputed like top six, seven, eight quarterback in the NFL, and the Browns do really well and make it to the AFC title game and all? Like, yeah, he can do that. But like, to be a top three in the MVP race with all those other quarterbacks I mentioned, like, I think that's asking a lot this year. Even though I think there's a big step in him, and I think that big step will get him to that range I'm talking about. Yeah. So. Basically, what I got out of what you just said is I should put the headline on this podcast. Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich explains why Baker Mayfield has no chance to win the MVP for 2021. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) No, you should say that your glass was overflowing for for your Baker MVP prediction. Maybe even more than mine was for Miles Garrett, God forbid, playing every game. Yeah, you're you're right. Um (laughs) Hey, I but, didn't say hey, I we gotta figure this too. I yeah. before you before I let you go on giving me grief about that. Yeah. He 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 did play every game to, in 2018, and, and my reasoning is they were unusual circumstances. Like it wasn't like, hey, you know, injury after injury after injury that kept him out. It was literally suspension for hitting Mason Rudolph over the head of the helmet and then COVID nineteen, like we're talking about crazy, wacky circumstances. And like, if I were to say Jadavian Clowney is going to play every game for the first time since 2017, like then you definitely need to laugh me off this podcast because just, you know, the, the string of injuries and the five knee surgeries, like that is far more uh, a, a stretch, I think. Well, I would never laugh you off this podcast <laughs> because then it would, it would be me solo just saying, um, for a half hour. Yeah, but no, you're right. Um, I mean, Miles has to prove he can stay on the field, and it's funny yeah. because we we talk about Denzel Ward, and I think a lot in like 
hey, he's really good when he's out there, but he's he, he just misses three to four games a year. And I don't think people say it about Miles as much, partly because they are some wacky circumstances. But if you look at it, the same can be said. Yeah, for sure. All right, my next wacky, wacky prediction here. More yards from scrimmage this season. So that's rushing and receiving combined is what we'll go with. Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt? I, I know Nick Chubb is phenomenal. 1,067 yards rushing last year, 150 yards receiving, but he missed four games. Kareem Hunt, obviously the backup, but he played all 16 games, 841 yards rushing, 300 yards receiving. So they were they were very close. You're talking about a difference of quick math, just over 100 yards or so it looks like. Uh, Kareem had 11 touchdowns. Uh, six rushing, five receiving. Nick Chubb had 12 touchdowns, all rushing. So yards from scrimmage, who who do you have there, Chubb or Hunt? And is it a valid question to ask? Yeah, I mean, it was so close last year, but you're right, because um, you have to factor in the, the quarter of the season that Chubb missed. Um, so I'm going to go with Chubb. I mean, this guy is... One of the best players uh, in the league at any position, and he is just so tough that even when he came back from that, um, you know, sprained MCL, he was dominant as soon as he got back. And you know, I mean, think about how many guys come back from injuries and just are never able to kind of get it going again. You know, they're a shell of themselves or whatever until the next year or whatever. Like Nick Chubb is so tough that that's just not going to happen unless it's like, you know, a season ender and he just physically is impossible for a human to do. Like if it's possible, he's going to get it done. He's going to do it. And I think that, you know, hey, he got rolled up on by, you know, a guy was a complete fluke, you know, injury. And, you know, that's the nature of the sport, the nature of that position, you know, that's going to happen. But, you know. If he's out there, um, you know, for a full season, you know, I think he's definitely the right pick for this, even though Hunt's going to play a huge role. And, you know, he's going to have more receptions and more receiving yards than Hunt, I mean, than Chubb. And that's why it's a good conversation, because that kind of is able to make it interesting, even though Chubb's going to, you know, be the primary workhorse uh, as a ball carrier. So I'm going to go Chubb, but it is a good question. And Thank you. Yeah, and, it, and it's a testament to the Browns having the best one-two punch at the position in the entire game. Man, I thought you were about to say it's a testament to my ability to ask riveting questions. Shoot. Well, that's we'll, see if I, <laughs> we'll see if I get you with the next one then. And I, I agree, by the way, Nick Chubb. Uh, more yards from scrimmage. I forgot he averaged 5.6 yards a rush last season, which is absurd for the type of back he is. Yeah, and he averaged 10 yards in the fourth quarter last year. That's right. Jeez, that's crazy. Um, more receiving yards. Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham? And follow-up question to that. More receiving yards, Austin Hooper or David Njoku? Which, what's your take on those two? Riveting, great, hard-hitting questions. 
Oh, those are good ones. Uh, Thank you. Jeez. Um, I'm going to go with Jarvis Landry getting more catches than Odell and Odell getting more receiving yards. So I'm going to split them that way. So the answer to your question would be Odell. Wow. That's, that's, and, you just you just took the cop out answer, by the way. It's a great yeah. it's a great move. It's also it's exactly a, what's going to happen. So that's OK. And then <laughs> and then I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go with. Um, man, this next one's tough because David Njoku in training camp was the best tight end on the team. Yeah. And. He should get the opportunity to be the go-to guy based on that. Like he should get the opportunity to lead the team in catches and targets among tight ends, but the politics of football do exist. And Austin Hooper is a guy who they're paying more than $10 million a year. He was their second biggest fleet free agent splash of 2020, right behind Jack Conklin. Mm, That's a really tough one. I, I, think it should be David Njoku, but I think Austin Hooper's still going to get more opportunities because of what I just said. I kind of hate it, though. I mean, I, I, I think David <laughs> Njoku, No, really, I think David Njoku earned the opportunities this summer. I think he's got a positive attitude and mindset toward the organization, a good relationship now, and an understanding that he has an opportunity here and would like to, to capitalize on it and stay here his mind was not right last year he told me that he was in a mental pit um and you know odell and jarvis really supported him and helped him climb out of it along with some other teammates but you know he he just did not want to be here um you know for the entirety of uh or you know for at least good chunks of of last season and really told me it kind of like it just hit him kind of afterward and when it all ended um, the camaraderie that he has with teammates here. And obviously, let's not kid ourselves, the business of it really had an effect too on him. The Browns kept him uh, for the start of the new league year, which locked him in at that guaranteed $6 million and change fifth-year option. And that was a show of faith. That was, a sh- that, that was more than just words. Actions speak louder than words. And they could tell him, over and over, David, we believe in you. David, we think you're talented. David, you know, Andrew Barry had something to do with drafting you. He was, you know, the VP of player personnel in 2017, and they traded up in the first round to pick you 29th overall. You know, David, we really see a role for you in Stefanski's offense because he loves tight ends. Um, they can say all that stuff, but when they actually put their money where their mouth is and, and guarantee him that $6 million, I think that meant a lot to him. And, you know, it's he said that that excited him and, and, and made him happy um, that, you know, he knew he could could be here and, and, and try to make the most out of it here in a contract year. So I think it should be him uh, until I see it. It's hard to believe it because of that investment they put in Austin Hooper. I, I still think that they are prone to give him the most opportunities. And, boy, based on everything I saw this summer, I do think that it should be the other way around. And and maybe as the season unfolds, Njoku starts to get more opportunities if he continues to play well and he parlays a strong training camp 
into a strong beginning of the season. And maybe, you know, if Austin Hooper doesn't get hot, um, you know, maybe David Nujoku does overtake him. But Mm. right now I'm going to say that I'd still go with Austin Hooper to answer your question. I'm really glad I asked that question, quite frankly. I I kind of asked it as a throwaway. I I have the Brown stats from last season up. And it's not close. Yeah. I, I just really liked – nobody is talking about that, by the way. That, that's what I liked about how you answered it, because how how you answered it, I think, is spot on. And nobody's talking about that aspect of the team. And by the by the end of the year, if it, if it comes out that David Njoku had a better year than Austin Hooper, I don't think now it should come as a surprise. And I, I think you summarized why really well. So last – Last catching question, and I'm not sure how many more of these I have, but last last receiving question. More targets this year. Richard Higgins, who had, uh, what is it, 52 targets last year, 37 catches, 52 targets. Or Donovan Peoples-Jones, who on last week's podcast, you anointed as the, the training camp MVP, I uh, you know, looks great. Looks like maybe he took another step there. Last year, he had 20 targets. Who has more targets this season, Higgins or DPJ? I'm going to say DPJ because he is going to enter the season here as the number three receiver. And, you know, I know I've said earlier, and uh, it could be kind of a fluctuating role, um, you know, based on matchups and things like that. But now I just think the DPJ just established himself as the undisputed number three receiver with the training camp he had. And I think it can be a breakout season for him as much as there can be a breakout season when you're behind an Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. You know what I mean? Like it can be a breakout season, but I don't think it, we should sign him up for like a thousand receiving yards, but based on opportunity, like I think he's going to make the most out of what he does get. And I think he will mm-hmm. get Shard Higgins. I, I don't know. Every time it seems like somebody doubts Richard Higgins, he's, he just shows up and he's there oh. and he's Mr. He's just Mr. Dependable. Oh, totally. You know? No, I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. And I think he still is that. And I think this is the perfect team for him and Baker Mayfield is the perfect quarterback for him and say what you want about him not being as fast <laughs> as most guys at a receiver or whatever it's similar mm-hmm. to Jarvis Landry it's like okay like on paper when you just crunch the numbers you know Jarvis shouldn't necessarily be as productive as he is and, and Richard shouldn't necessarily be as productive as he is but they are because they're just gamers they know how to play they're very savvy and they're guys that you love to have on your team. And, um, you know, obviously Higgins hasn't had close to the career that, that Landry has, but they are similar in the way that I think that they overachieve with their production and their play, you know, compared with, you know, speed and, and kind of whatever spark scores or whatever, you know. So <laughs> I love those guys. I love watching them play. And, uh, you know, I, I think that they, uh, they're, I don't know, they're, I think that they're endearing to the fan base because of yes. that. You know what I mean? Like they, yep. they, they just, they're, they're the underdog, especially Jarvis. He's just like the quintessential, like, 
it doesn't matter, you know, if you put him against, you know, a guy twice as fast or whatever, you can just trust him to make the plays and to just have the grit and determination <laughs> to just be a tough football player, be a reliable guy and set the tone for really like the entire team. And it's just so admirable. And and I have a lot of respect for, for obviously Jarvis, who I'm saying, but Higgins too, and the way he's able to, you know, make the most of his opportunities and really a guy who stepped up tremendously after, after Odell got hurt. And I, I just think about that Cincinnati game when Odell got hurt and the, the catch that Higgins made where he just high points the ball, leaning back two hands over a defender. He hauls it in for a big gain and that set up the game when he touchdown pass from Baker Mayfield to Donovan Peoples Jones. So I think both of them will, will, will be, you know, big time, um, you know, parts of this offense, but I just think that it's hard to pick against DPJ for me after seeing his emergence and his ascent in training camp. Uh, I think it was real, and I think that we're going to see it, uh, you know, parlayed into the the real games here. And I I think the as good as Higgins has been for the Browns in his role and as much respect as I have for his game and obviously his connection and chemistry, Baker Mayfield, I just can't bet against DPJ right now. That, that's a great argument. Just to be contrary, I'm going to go with Higgins. He's just so dependable. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Higgins by a slight margin. And he's a guy in a contract year. And I, I think he, he parlays that into a, a nice contract maybe elsewhere after the season. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's always in a contract year, it <laughs> yes. seems like, and he always just keeps delivering. Yeah. Like, you know? I mean, he's like, the last two years, I think most people thought he was gone. Yeah. You know, and I did uh, for a time. And then, you know, the way he was able to rise last year to the occasion, it's like, man. Eh, Andrew Barry, you might you might want to reconsider if you're going to let him walk. And obviously, right. Andrew Barry did uh, keep him around. One of the best touchdown celebrations in football, too. That goes uh, that that should go with saying. But I think I'm out of predictions. Nate, are there are there any big predictions I missed? Well, are we doing record predictions? <laughs> well, I knew prediction? I, I I knew that was out there. Um, and yes, we'll 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 talk Chiefs really really quickly to to close it out. Um, are do you want to go on record right now as we record with your record prediction, or do you want to tell people to check out everything on BeaconJournal.com/sports/Browns? Totally up to you. No, I mean I want to I want to tell them both. So all right, sure. Yeah, go go to go to the website for sure, please. Uh, we're putting a ton of. Um, resources and effort into this as, as we always have, but you know this is the most highly anticipated Brown season of my lifetime. So uh, it is for a lot of you guys too. So you know we're working around the clock to to, to cover this. So please uh, you know continue listening and reading. We appreciate your support. And I, uh, with that, I will say I'm going with 12 and five. Um, that was my kind of first reaction when the schedule came out, and I, I've looked it over again, and that's where I continue to land. And I, I think that 
you know, it, it, it reflects my thinking that this is a team that's going to take a step. Um, you know, from from 11 and five last year, obviously the the 16 16 game schedule, the 17 game schedule this year is a difference. But I think that you know this is still going to be a very difficult uh, you know schedule that the Browns are definitely talented enough to to come out of with 12 and five, and and wouldn't be surprised if it's better, but. You know, they are going to have to face, as we right off right out of the gate, Patrick Mahomes. You know, Aaron Rodgers stayed in Green Bay. You know, that's the Christmas game. You know, Lamar Jackson twice. Uh, you know, the Chargers. Uh, that's going to be an interesting game week five. You know, I think that that's a rising team. Yes. And we'll see. Justin Herbert, you know, he lit it up, and, you know, kind of like how Baker Mayfield did as a rookie. Does he continue to ascend or does he have a little bit of a hiccup second season um i I think most people who watched him closely last year think that he continues to ascend so you know this obviously is a steelers team that isn't the one that tortured the browns forever but uh big ben's still there and it's hard to count them out entirely as a factor in all this when he's still there the defense i think is pretty damn good uh in pittsburgh and mm-hmm. you know, obviously the browns overcame them uh in the wild card game last year but i just don't think that you can sleep on them i just have too much respect for that organization and the, the way they always do things and the identity that they have i'm not saying they're as good as the browns but you know they're a factor in the schedule game and when you go through everything uh you know Nothing's automatic in the NFL, and I definitely don't count the Brown Steelers games as automatic. But having said all that, that's where I land. I land 12 and 5, Dan. Yeah, I did too. Um, usually we have we have a different uh, prediction, usually by a game or two. But I'm also at 12 and 5, which, by the way, is still weird to say 12 and 5 in the regular season. But uh, I I tend to think that the Browns split with Baltimore and Pittsburgh and sweep the the terrible Bengals. Uh, I, I'm mostly saying terrible because one of the guys I work with is a Bengals fan. So uh, the Bengals aren't going to be super bad this year, depending on how the coaching is. But so I, I have the Browns going four and two in the division, which I, I, I think that that would be nice. That that's what good teams should do if they can get that to five and one. That's when you're really talking about, you know, winning the division, which we, you know, kind of talked about some earlier. That Green Bay Christmas game, uh, that's going to be tough. I think that's a loss. Um, I'm up in the air about the New England game, week ten. That's in New England. I just don't see the Patriots being bad two years in a row I think the I think the Browns lose one of week four or five those are two road games at Minnesota and at the Los Angeles Chargers probably like you said that that Chargers game is going to be tough I think the Browns lose one of those um and then the you have the Kansas City Chiefs week one and that that's my transition to uh to where where we're going next here, talking about the start of the NFL season. But 
I, I'm going 12 and 5 as well. So that, that's both of us. I'll, I'll write it down this year so we can revisit it. Now, some of our other predictions. I'll probably forget to write down the ones that I end up being wrong about, but 12 and 5 for both of us. Um, Kansas City, week one. It's the premier game of the week, if you ask me. You have Jim Nance and Tony Romo, CBS, 425, against the, the arguably the best team in the NFL, best quarterback in the NFL, arguably the best coach in the NFL, and Andy Reid, team that knocked the Browns out of the playoffs last year. It, it's, it's the perfect matchup for week one. Do the Browns have a chance at this one, Nate? Because I think it's going to be pretty tough. They definitely have a chance. There's no doubt they have a chance. I'm not going to pick them to win. I will pick the Chiefs. Uh, I haven't landed on my final score yet, um, but I'm probably going to pick, you know, a, a, a field goal uh, differential. Um, I think there's a couple things I talked about earlier with the defense and the idea that, you know, the gelling cannot be complete for week one. It just cannot possibly be complete for week one. And you're facing the superstar quarterback of all superstar quarterbacks right now in the NFL, even though Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, you would take Patrick Mahomes over anyone based on him being young and having, you know, a long dominant career ahead of him. Uh, um, you know, this is a guy who, you know, obviously just can't be stopped when he and Andy Reid are, are, you know, on and, and, and everything's clicking and, and he could be stopped in the Super Bowl because, wow, I mean, the Bucks just had a dominant um, day at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, the Chiefs obviously have addressed their offensive line and, and like the Browns defense, I don't think that Chiefs offense is going to be clicking on all cylinders uh, right out of the gate with all the changes they have up front. Um, having said that, you know, we talked about this way back when the schedule came out and our our colleague George Thomas, and I argued about this for a couple of days. Like, I think that it's just a little bit taller order for, you know, eight or nine new starters on defense, uh, completely revamped personnel there. Like, um, you know, beyond the starters are some key backups, like Tack McKinley being one of them. You know, whoever the third the third safety grant help it if health if, if healthy. Um, you know, Greedy Williams, you know, he can contribute. You know, I, I think it'll be Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom the second starting cornerback. Troy Hill's your nickel. Um, but you know, greedy coming off an injury or just like Grant Delpit. My point is there's just so many new faces and there are more new faces for that defense by far than, you know, a, a new uh, offensive line in Kansas City. Man, Arrowhead's one of the toughest places to play. It's hard to pick against them. And it's really kind of, <laughs> it's kind of absurd. It's like, this is the best Browns team in forever. And the Browns haven't been able to win an opener in forever. They haven't won one since. 2004, right? I think they're 119 right. and 119 and one since yeah. 1999 in openers. Mm -hmm. And it's like of all Browns teams, the best one in you know 
a quarter of a century should finally be able to be the one to get over the hump and win in week one. But like, this is the game that could prevent that. And they happen to draw that <laughs> to begin the season. And of course it's, you know, the NFL, like you said, I mean, let's kick it off with a bang. Like what a sexy matchup, the divisional round rematch. I get all that. But for the Browns, it's just, it's that, that quirk of, you know, one of the toughest games that they could possibly have happens to be week one. And, you know, that week one has been insurmountable for this franchise forever. So um, it's just kind of odd how it lines up that way. Um, but as we saw, week one disaster in Baltimore last year did not prevent this team from having its most successful season in 26 years. And and I think if the week one loss here in Kansas City, which I will pre- pre- predict, is not going to throw off my prediction that the Browns are going to go 12 and five, uh, get hot, and you know get in that AFC Championship game. I think that's well said. I think the path to victory for the Browns is going to be similar to what it was for the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. The defensive line dominates up front for the Browns. Um, get gets at Patrick Mahomes and the offense when it when it makes sense to works the clock. You have Nick Chubb, you have Kareem Hunt, you have everybody healthy right now. Theoretically, if there's any point in which you can, you know, push your will on on the Chiefs' defense, it should be Week One. So, I, I think the path to victory for the Browns is is running the ball, and maybe a couple of big plays from Miles Garrett. Like, like you mentioned earlier, that Washington game, if he can replicate that a little bit against Kansas City, and it's possible because Miles Garrett is just so good, I think that's the path to victory for the Browns. But I, I agree with you. I, th- I think it's the Chiefs, this one. I also agree narrowly. I don't think it'll be like the Ravens game last year. And then, and then we'll see. You know, the schedule kind of softens a little bit the next few weeks after that. So... The Browns, even if they do lose, like you said, they should be able to get back on track. So that's where we're at with our Browns season preview. Nate, anything else this week before we we head out? I don't think so, Dan. Uh, We're going to try to keep these rolling throughout the regular season. Obviously, we know um, how excited everybody is for this season, and we're going to want to keep talking about it like we have for years, even when they were going one and 31 and we had to sprinkle in some like movie and food talk because we just got (laughs) tired and exhausted of the same exact thing. And that was some of the worst football in the history of professional sports. So um, (laughs) we have a lot more, uh, you know, engaging and, uh, you know, invigorating topics to talk about because nobody wants to talk about the same thing every time. And, you know, Hey, when, when you're talking about and writing about a team um, that's contending legitimately, it's obviously refreshing coming from, you know, the, the teams we've talked about and written about in the past. And, uh, you know, we're ready to, to continue to, to be here every step of the way. So we'll try to do this, uh, you know, weekly and, um, uh, you know, I'm very eager. I'll be in Kansas City, hopefully get some barbecue and see one of the better games that I've seen in a long time. Yeah, that, that'll that be a lot of fun. And, you know, we, we already have some great stuff this week on the site, com slash sports slash Browns. It's really just getting started. 
there's going to be a ton of, of content leading up to the Chiefs game. There's going to be a lot of great content in the wake of the game and then, then going into week two against Houston. Plenty of storylines there, obviously, but we will talk about that when we get to it. For now, that does it for cover two. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Let us know what you think of our predictions, by the way. If we're wrong about something, if, if you have a prediction you want us to make, hit us up. But for now, that does it. Thank you very much for listening. We will talk to you next time.